following podcast contains spoilers and words like fuck, fuck, and fuck. We watch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Watched a Thing. This week, I have a wonderful guest. It's Jason from Binge Movies. I've been looking forward to this. Jason is one of the smartest guys I know to talk movies about. And so, spoiler alert, it's kind of a shame about the movie we picked. But anyway, thanks for joining me, Jason. How have you been? You know, it's busy times around the Akron, Ohio area. But uh, we're hanging in there, and it's an ultimate delight to be here. And I say this to your listeners. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Paul from uh, the Countdown Movie and TV's podcast. If you are a listener of We Watch a Thing, uh, you're already a convert, so I'm preaching to the choir. So that's that's his phrase. <laughs> I've stolen it. But if you're listening to this, I can truly say this, that you might be one of the kindest souls, Billy, that oh, I have oh, ever encountered that is in my so life. Nice. <laughs> you like I And I, I kind of, you get that vibe when you're listening to your show. <laughs> but if your listeners only knew how kind you were behind the scenes, uh, you'd go from being an incredibly popular podcast to <laughs> the number one podcast just because uh, you're just an awesome dude, man. Mate, that is so sweet. I'm I'm literally about to cry. That's that's beautiful. Thank you for that, <laughs> man. I, I, you know, and the thing is, that is your reputation through a lot of our mutuals. It's like this guy is the greatest guy on the face of the earth. And uh, you've you lived up to it, man. Just being yourself—that's that's awesome. I appreciate cultivated that. a good soul, sir. Well, I can say something very very similar about you. I, I've recently recorded a guest spot on your show, which hasn't come out yet, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. And I I was really really nervous going into that because I don't do a lot of guest spots anymore. Like it's been a yeah. long time, really. And I, and I hadn't met you before, and I was like, oh man, I don't know what I'm getting into here. And it was just it was the most fun I've had recording for for. And it was like what two hours, two and a half hours, just chatting about movies. And it was just so yeah. much fun. <laughs> like yeah. yeah. Now here's the downside of that. The upside of it is we got to meet each other, and this love affair began. The downside of it is you were like, well, since you know, you're going to be appearing on a, a soon coming, a forthcoming episode of Binge Movies, where we talked about some Stephen King flicks, uh, five Stephen King films, and we ranked them. And then you were like, well, hey, there's this fire starter coming out. I should reciprocate. You want to come on my show? You know, just, you know, it was like, oh, of course. And here we are. Yeah. So, yeah. really, it, 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 was a, it was the beginning of a, of a, of a mutually beneficial uh, uh, podcast friendship, but we had to sit through Firestorm <laughs> yeah. at the cost. That, that was a bad <laughs> on my part. There's actually several Stephen King remakes coming out this year. I should have waited for a good one. <laughs> How could you have known? Here's the thing, okay. I come out of the movie theater not, not too long before we recorded, and uh, I see a poster for Firestarter. Yep. I've seen the original, not in a long time, but I did revisit it for this episode. Yep. And uh, I'm like, oh, Firestarter, that's going to be a thing? You know, whoa, huh. And I just thought, sometimes they put like a teaser poster out for some it's coming later in the year, yeah. maybe even the next year. Little did I know, it was mere weeks away. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know how it's been on your side of the planet, but over here in the States, uh, there's been no hype, no fanfare. Yeah. No marketing for this movie. Yeah, same. I didn't just, know this movie appeared. Was, I didn't know this movie was coming out until after we recorded. And I was just looking through the coming soon section on my cinema. Yeah. Because that's usually how I kind of schedule stuff in. And I was like, holy crap, they're remaking Firestarter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was bizarre. Yeah. So I have, I have a theory about that. And I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead. Am I, you know, I don't know what you want to cover about this movie. 
But I do have a theory about why it's coming out now. All right, well, let, let's start Let's start the episode proper then. Let's get straight into it. So Firestarter is a 2022 American science fiction horror film directed by Keith Thomas from a screenplay by Scott Teams. It's based on the novel of the same name by Stephen King. And, of course, it's a remake of the 1984 film, which starred Drew Barrymore as a as a wee one. Uh, this one stars Zac Efron, Ryan Kira Armstrong, Sidney Lemon, Kurtwood Smith, John Beasley, Michael Grayeyes, and Gloria Rubin. And I'm going to throw this at you. What is it about, Jason? <sighs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I like to throw people under the bus with this. <laughs> you were very kind when I came on your show and told me I needed to come up with a synopsis. My favorite thing <laughs> is just to say to the other person, what's it about? <laughs> There's the thing that it's about, and then there's the thing that they made, and they're not yeah. uh, the same thing. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, I think what it's supposed to be about <laughs> is uh, there is a family who are the mother and father were part of a uh, college science experiment uh, that this movie explains none whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, it unlocked or heightened some psychic-style abilities in the couple uh, where they met, they met, found love. They produced a child, an offspring, and that child has a combination of their abilities. And the, her most uh, uh, prodigious ability is uh, that of pyrokinesis. Yep. And the government or a government subsidiary or agency or whatever is on the hunt to get her to either terminate her or learn how to control her powers. Yeah. Nice. So uh, let, yeah. let's kick it off then. Tell me what your theory is about why this movie is coming out now. I think Universal has the rights. I think there's something in the contract that says that they have to make make a version of this every 20 years to retain the rights. Right. Because the first film came out, and then like 20 years later, there was that mini they series. did a, a miniseries. Yep. And then 20 years, almost to the day from the miniseries, they put this out. Yeah, right. And I think that there is something in the agreement that they have to just produce something with this story to retain the rights be- because this is one of the most half-hearted oh, theatrical yeah. theatrically released films that I've ever seen. And was it released in theaters? In It, on, it was. Yeah. Same day streaming in theaters. Yeah. It's it. it how this made, made it to theaters. I don't know. I know. I, I don't know. if <laughs> Was this a case of, it was a streaming movie because uh, yeah. it feels like a TV movie. This is a streaming movie that, that somebody thought, well, because Blumhouse is connected with it, or maybe Blumhouse came in late. I don't know that maybe we could push it to on the strength of the Blumhouse name, the Stephen King name. We could push it out to theaters, or was this supposed to be a theatrical movie? Yeah. And based on the results, they were like, ah, we should probably put it onto the streamer. Yeah, like. What do you think? What do you think? Bill? It's because like, uh, I was so I was really this, surprised because same as you, I had no idea this film was coming out. But in in yeah. looking it up now, it was announced in 2017. Blumhouse and Universal came out saying they were doing this, so that's five years ago that they announced this. <laughs> and yeah. So they replaced directors a couple of times in between, but Efron was signed in in 2020. So I don't know whether. Okay, yeah. So looking at it, I'd I'd say that production was delayed due to COVID. So they only started production may last year but it's it's absolutely bizarre to me and if that is the case producing it to keep the rights what a weird property to worry about that with like i mean this isn't like spider-man where yeah. sony worry about losing that to you know like that's a big money maker. right this is right. from memory the 84 film didn't do that well either like this isn't no, like it- it's a property that's in the mind of the people <laughs> I think it's less about the property and more about the property of Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. 
because Hollywood has had this weird thing with Stephen King forever about adapting his movies, whether it be on television, mm. whether it be theatrically. But we know for a fact, and we've covered a great deal of them, you and I, that a lot of them aren't very good. Yeah. We, on our episode that's coming out, we did together for Pinch Movies, we tended to cover the good ones. Yeah. Or at least the ones people say are the good ones. And um, But there's a lot that aren't good. He obviously directed at least one himself. Yeah. Uh, and they all vary in quality. And, this, that. and there's been like generational, cyclical, like somebody gets the idea to... Let's adapt to Stephen King. And I think with the Marvel stuff and the connected universe, uh, they then got the idea of, well, Stephen King has a sort of connected universe, especially with the Dark Tower series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's sort of it. And with the it, the popularity of it, because you said this was announced in 2017. Yeah, that's didn't, tr- Yeah. Didn't, didn't it come out around it, then? It did. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even make yeah. that connection. Yeah. And so NBC's like, well, what Stephen King stuff do we have the right to? <laughs> and they're like, well, we got Firestarter. And they're like, and we got to make it in the next five years or we're going to lose it. And I said, like, well, he, Stephen King's a hot property. And then, you know, it gets delayed by COVID or it takes longer to get into production. Yeah. And before you know it, nobody cares again. Yeah. And I think that's where we're at is, you know, the, the Stephen King boom that we had in with it kind of thanks to the mixed reception of it chapter two and uh, some of the other stuff, the dark tower and uh, other stuff that's come out that it's kind of, he's kind of, his brand isn't as hot. Yeah, now here this movie is. That that's totally. My, makes that's just sense. a cynical theory. No, that makes complete sense to me. I also wondered if there was a bit of a misstep here. If they were trying to leverage off almost the kind of Stranger Things feel and vibe, you know, like we've got a very eighties heavy score yeah. here. Obviously, the book was written and set in the eighties, which is why I didn't understand the modernization to today. It seemed like a really strange thing to do to me, given that it was kind of only mentioned once or twice where they spoke about internet or cell phones. They didn't have them. They didn't use them. So why not leverage off that even further and actually set it in the 80s? (laughs) Well, you know, this is the unfair thing about this property in particular, which is Stranger Things comes out, whatever it was, five, six years ago now. And it basically took the aesthetic and the feel and the vibe of Carpenter and King. Yeah. And mashed it up and made this other little thing. And a big thing that it lifted from was Firestarter, the, the yep. book. And the the original film is a, exactly. a, a slightly more faithful adaptation than this one is. Yep. And now you're in a situation where if they had done it, because you're right, this movie almost makes more sense back in like... It's a consp- it's a like a pharmaceutical conspiracy theory, political yep. conspiracy theory film... And, but it's not a modern conspiracy theory kind of film. Yeah. It's the story has the sensibilities of something from the seventies or early eighties when it was written and it, w- it would work in that way. But if they were to do that now, it feels like they're imitating stranger Things. Yeah. When actually stranger things, I mean, 11 is, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Charlie from Firestarter. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's like, now, if you if you're faithful to yourself, now you come off like an imitation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's which makes you wonder like why adapt it at all? Like yeah. again, other than to retain the rights because it's too challenging. Because you're right, like the story makes so much. I thought the same thing. Story makes so much more sense when okay, mom and dad, or you know, dad and daughter have to get off the grid and they're on the run. Yeah. Well, that's darn near impossible now. Exactly in the world that we live in, you, yeah. there is no getting off the grid, right? And Oh, boy. I, I don't know how deep you want to go in this movie, but <laughs> Billy Corrigan, Billy Corrigan, a different Billy, 
said the world is a vampire and i feel like this movie is a vampire because it legitimately sucked the energy <laughs> out of the entire ho- household that i'm in yeah. where it played where people were passing out as and it just i stayed awake through but it just never got going i know and that's it just the- never this is not a long movie. This is like realistically no. when you take the cre- the end credits out. This is a sub ninety minute movie, uh, and it's it's insane. It, like it to goes me. on forever. And you kind of brought it up that um, you know in this day and age, father and daughter go on the run. That doesn't last very long. And I think no. even though they don't have tech with them in this film, it doesn't last long in this film. I, like nothing really lasts long in this film, no. but. I don't know if you've read the book. The book, the majority of the book is them on the run. And it starts in the middle of it. The start of the book doesn't happen until 45 minutes into this movie. (laughs) And so then when you, when you reach that point, I'm sitting there going, well, hang on. How, how, what happens for the next 45 minutes? How quickly are they going to move through this? And it's, I mean, it's using the word adaptation is very loose. Like it, I think it takes the characters and a little bit of the situation, but what it does with the story here is insane. The pacing of this movie is nuts. And it is shocking to think how long this movie feels. (laughs) Oh, because you're right. The actual runtime is not very long, but it was, I was like, is this movie still going? Yeah. And, and and it had only been on for 45 minutes. It felt like it had been two hours. I was like, I, I, I truly don't understand. You're exactly right. The The heart of the story, and I, I ha, I've, I've read a synopsis of the book plot, but I've j- literally just watched the original, and it follows the structure of the book a yeah. lot more closely. And it starts with hot action of them in a chase scene in the middle of downtown New York City yeah, yeah. being chased by feds. Yeah. And you see, in particular, the dad's powers and what, what it means for him to be able to push people and the toll that it takes on him. And you don't exactly know. You're just thrown into the action. What is this? And what's going on? And what's the conspiracy? And why are these people after them? And then, and then obviously going to the farm. And that plays out completely different than it does in this adaptation, the, the farm angle. Yeah. And... um. And, and and a lot of the other information about the mom and the trials that's that's given to us in either exposition or flashbacks yeah. or dreams. Yeah. And as here's the thing, I've long been a champion of, and I know the reason why they don't do it, and I've said it a million times. But in theory, if we're going to have all these remakes and reboots, why don't you remake and reboot the movies that didn't quite come together, didn't quite work, but have promise? Yeah, I agree. Ones with like a great concept that just weren't executed yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Firestarter has a lot of great parts and pieces to it. The 84 film has a lot of great parts and pieces to it. It even has a lot of good actors in it. George C. Scott's in it, although he is playing a First Nations person, which is <laughs> not good. But yeah. he's a good villain. Martin Sheen. There's a ton of good people in it. And the elements, some of the elements are there. Some of the, it was originally supposed to be a Carpenter film. Yep. He was supposed to direct it. He dropped it, which is bizarre because now he's just doing the score for this one, <laughs> yeah. which is like he eventually got the check from Firestarter. But anyway, so that movie feels like somebody trying to imitate John Carpenter without having his ability, the 84 yeah. film. But it has parts and pieces like, ah, this this should be a classic or this should be, it's got like a little bit of an X-Men feel to it. It's, mm. got, it's, it's got a lot of potential. Somehow they remade that movie that was not a success. It didn't really work, and they made a worse version of it. Yeah, yeah. And that is staggering. Yeah, 
even though I knew nothing about this movie, I was actually quite excited going into it because I do love the story. Like you said, with the original, I yeah. thought it had some good moments. I know that there's a lot of bias out there against Blumhouse. I think it's really easy to slag them off and forget that they have made a lot of really good films. You know, like oh, absolutely. Get Out, Insidious, uh, like Unfriended I really liked. Um, I'm the one person. Yeah, Upgrade. Yep, Happy Death Day. I think it's really easy yep. to slag them off. But so I actually did have kind of high hopes for this movie. And I I cannot tell you the levels that this movie under-delivered for me. It was just, I just couldn't help but think, why remake this? Like, what? why do it no. like this? <laughs> well, okay. So in, you have, you've read the story, right? Because you're a massive King guy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time, yeah. but yeah, so, yeah. So the it's like half chase movie and half escape movie, basically. But in the middle- or, or, or story, but in the middle, it's about essentially this girl being held in captivity, yeah, and them leveraging her love for her father, yes. and her guilt from her mother, and everything else to manipulate her to to grow and use her powers. And the uh, the assassin that is responsible for all of this havoc in her life is the one who has to gain the trust of this little girl. Yes, that's right. My memory is right? that at about halfway through, they do get captured and the rest of the book, majoritively, is them in the facility trying to yeah. escape. And yeah, the, she forms a relationship with, um, what's his name? Rain. Rainbird. Rainbird. Yeah, yeah exactly. Who yeah. calls himself like John. Yeah, he pretends to be like a janitor orderly or, or a yeah. janitor. Yeah. And so, like he claims to be like, I don't know what they even do here. I just work here. Yeah but you're a nice little girl and he befriends her and he gains her trust. And it's all for this very nefarious purposes that are his purposes are even cross with what the CIA's purposes are for. Yeah. And he's got it. And he's just a very scary sort of figure. And in this movie, I don't remember if in the original story, he had supernatural abilities or, or psychic abilities and this movie, he has psychic abilities as well. So he's basically invulnerable. And then he's taken captive and the dad's taken captive, played by Zac Efron. Yeah. But the little girl's not taken captive. She just lives off of the woods yeah. for a little while and has a little psychic montage, which makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then is tricked into trying to get her dad out. And then after she destroys everything, which is kind of more or less how it's played out, um, she then goes off in the darkness with the guy who killed her mother and, yeah. and got them <laughs> captive. And it makes zero sense. Yeah. There's no development the that catharsis, can explain that at all. <laughs> none. The catharsis of the story is that this little girl, you know, the the dad, she's made this promise because of things that have happened in this confrontation at the farm and the and stuff with her mom and all this sort of stuff that she's not going to use these abilities because it's bad and it hurts people. Yeah. And when and our dad's dying breath is like and the whole angle of this from the dad's perspective is we've got to get to the media. It's yeah. the only safe place for us is in public. Yeah. If the public knows about this, they can't hurt us and they know, and then nobody else will be a part of these experiments. So they've stripped that out of the movie. That doesn't exist in the yeah. movie at all. Yeah. So there are no stakes. There is no mission. Zach Efron is like, his job is like getting people not to smoke. Yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> He's a psychic life coach. The whole thing about pinprick hemorrhages in his brain. Yeah. Every time he uses the push ability, he's basically having mini aneurysms. So there's like a ticking time clock element to it. And a, you know, and the dad has to use basically the last bit of his brain power to save yeah. his daughter at the risk of blowing up his own brain. 
all that's removed. Yeah. Like everything that makes this story tick or work in any interesting way is completely taken out of it to the point that Charlie is shooting fireballs yeah. pretty much in the first act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are you – there's no like build to that catharsis of she finally turns the powers against the people yeah. who have harmed her and her family because we've watched her do it repeatedly. And the only thing that Blumhouse, and I would guess is their influence has added to this, is they sort of have made it a, a, a – her power is more of almost a mental health kind of a thing. That's yep. kind of the angle they're taking with it. And they're playing her as almost more of a monster yep. instead of more of a child with a, there's a sci-fi yeah. X-Men style kind of twist to it where she's a child with a nat, nat, more natural ability that the rest of us don't have. Yeah. This is just like, well, she's a monster. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and it doesn't work. It, it That's not the heart of the story, Billy. Yeah. And the movie does this really weird thing where I think you mentioned it when you were giving the, the brief synopsis. I don't think, I think this does a really poor job of explaining anything. You know, we get the brief montage during the opening credits of her parents in the program. Yeah. And I actually think that sequence is kind of cool. Like, that's probably one of the only decent parts of this film. The problem is yeah. that it was very unclear to me, and I know because I've- read the book it's very unclear to me if they were being studied because they had abilities i don't think it makes it clear that it is the study itself that that made yes. them this way and it's like that is yes. that's a pretty important factor really <laughs> well also the heart of it is the story the 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 study is almost an accident in a certain way yeah because they got this lot lot six which i don't even think they even mention the name of the drug in this <laughs> yeah yeah it's lot six and it's and here's the important part. It's to, and again, this is what is important to the story about this little girl, and and its subsequent metaphors and how it ties in with some of the theming from Carrie. Is lot six is a derivative hallucinogenic from the human pituitary gland. Yeah, they gave it to basically adults, college students, to see what the effects would be. It was a double blind study, so the doctors didn't know: are we giving placebo or are we giving this lot six? Yeah. Most of the people, the hallucinogenic effect of it drove them insane. Yeah. But these two people, or maybe more, but at least for sure, these two people had latent psychic abilities yeah. that maybe they didn't even know about. And the effect it had on them was it unlocked their ability, their psychic abilities. So they have this now they've created like this telekinetic link between them, or te telepathic link rather. And the mom has telekinesis. She can move stuff with her mind. Yeah. And the dad can basically uh, force people to do things. He can feed them thoughts. And their child has pyrokinesis. But the, the, the threat of Charlie is she's prepubescent. Yeah. She is the a child born of this drug. So if this is what she's like before her pituitary gland is fully engaged, yeah. what the heck is she going to be like yeah. when... She's got that 20 months of puberty where the pituitary gland is in overdrive. Yep. Her powers will be in overdrive. And if she can blow up cities <laughs> or, or the, you know, well, lines is crack the earth in two, yep. right? Like, could she just, you know, all of a sudden she's a hormonal teenage girl, as stereotypical as that is. And she just gets in a foul mood and she could just, it'd be like a nuclear explosion. She would just blow up. Yeah. wherever she was at and that's the, that's the danger that's the threat 
and we want to be on this girl's side, but also we recognize she's a threat, and so we can see different angles. But the way the shop is handling it's immoral and evil, and it's really their fault. Yeah. And all you know, and there's like there's all of the drama, Billy, of the story. <laughs> yeah. All the the stakes, the themes, the things that matter, the metaphors, the the dealing with. The you know feminine sexuality, yeah. puberty, dealing with parental loss and parents and da- fathers and daughters and guilt and violence and the government and can't all that's completely gone. Yeah, and you have a bland, mediocre TV oh, movie, so bland, clearly <laughs> fake baby, just baby doll, just catches on fire. Yeah, the special effects are laughable. The woman they got to play the Martin Sheen character, the Captain Holland. Yeah, oh her man, name she is, was or, sh- now. Terrible. I was just going to say, let's get to the acting. I mean, so she is easily the worst on ground. She's so, so bad and over the top. Where were you on Ryan Kira Armstrong, our lead, Charlie, and Zac Efron, who more or less have to carry this film? The least worst part of this movie is Zac Efron. Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah, I thought that he was he was yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 almost like the the it's, he, the movie is just like falling and failing down around him. Yeah, and it's like could could he have played this dad in a better adaptation of this, and it would have been good to like really good. Yes. Yeah. There are I, there are no notes. You know, I have no <laughs> problem with him. I think he does a really good job. If anything, he's elevating the stuff that he's given because it's it's not a good script it's not yeah. good dialogue it's not well directed it's junk and most people say kids kids performances come down to direction and directors and and you can even see that in the original film because Drew Barrymore it's right around the time she does ET yeah. actually a little bit after ET you can see Spielberg's direction with her yeah. and the performance she gives is Gertie and then she's not good in Firestarter yeah and it's like, well, we know she was a talented kid actor. Yeah. What's the difference? Yeah. And the difference is direction. Yep. Right. Well, in this movie, whoever the heck the director is, I'm going to say he he either cannot direct children or he did, could not direct this child. Yeah. Because the only thing worse than that kid's wig <laughs> is her act, which is a terrible thing to say about a child, but she's a terrible little actress. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. She, she, and she, I felt like the direction she was given is, you're a monster. Yeah. There's a monster inside of you, and it's going to come out, and you're going to kill people. Yeah. That's not Charlene. That's not Charlie. No. It's yeah. not the kid. That's not the fire star. Yeah, that's right. It's not who she is. Yeah. She's an innocent. Yeah. This feels much more like like a superhero origin story where she starts yes, out with the- villain origin story. Ex- well, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like Brightburn. Yes. But it, you know, because she's like, we watch her like incinerate a cat. Oh, yeah. That scene was hilarious. I could not help but laugh. Oh. But, okay, it's it's all executed so poorly. So you're laughing. At the same time, what it actually is doing is it's undermining our ability to be sympathetic towards her character. Yes. uh, That's absolutely true. Yeah. Because there's no innocence to her. There's no sense of she's just a little tiny girl. Who doesn't know what is happening? She's not willing these things to happen most of the time. It just happens based on her moods or feelings. Yeah, and she can't control it. And I do think the original movie and the original story, they have the whole element of once the fire goes out of her, as they talk about, it goes out. She can't draw it necessarily back in yeah. because it'll kill her. Yeah. She has to displace it. And so she learns to displace it into bodies of water. Yeah. 
And so you learn the the so much of the book is about, or, the, or so much of the original movie rather is about her learning to control these abilities as they get stronger, yeah, and learning how to control her feelings and all these sorts of things, and then displacing it at the right time so people don't get hurt. Blah blah blah. Uh, that's all gone because she's never. This little girl is never in the facility, yeah, except for the very end of the movie where she just murder. tortures everything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's like there's there's nothing at stake. Yeah. There's nothing she's not she's a non-sympathetic character. She's not a good actress and she, yeah. there's nothing at stake for her because she's never really in danger. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Is there anything about this movie that you liked? Um did you enjoy the score by Carpenter for example, which I've seen a lot of people point to? I'm hearing everybody talk about that. Look, I like John Carpenter. I like his music. I like especially the original stuff that he did, Nickel and Dime synth stuff that he did. Uh, I really like that. There's if anybody's ever listened to binge movies, there's touches of that sometimes in the stuff that I do. Um, so I definitely like it. Uh, I think that's trying to find a silver lining in a very dark cloud. Yeah, I think people are trying to find something nice to say because it was more than halfway through the movie before I heard anything that was like, and I I literally turned to the person uh, whose house I'm currently in and was like. Did he just start scoring the movie from this point forward? Yeah. Because the first half of the movie, it was, I don't even remember what the music was. And all of a sudden, oh, John Carpenter. It's like John Carpenter arrived into the movie. Yeah. But it's already halfway over. Yeah. And that particular track, as good as it is, does it sound any different than anything else that he does? Yeah. Not really. Yeah. So uh, no, I would say it's not a bad score, but it is, it's not very memorable. Well, I, I agree. I, I, I remember thinking like oh yeah this is kind of cool i don't think it gels with the style of the film at all no and uh, no, and like you say it's not very memorable i'm not going to be humming it afterwards <laughs> no it does it's it, it you're right it doesn't gel with the, the this movie almost doesn't have an aesthetic yeah so it's really hard yeah, to that's say true yeah what, what's what's the style of this movie i don't know it's sort of dark and televisual like, yeah. i don't know it was like a tv miniseries <laughs> it was like a tv miniseries from a decade ago yeah really. it do- yeah it does <laughs> It's embarrassing, and you're just sort of like I. Again, you know, I hate to ask the question: Why was this made? Yeah. And why was it made like this? Yeah. Do it or don't do it. So, is there anything good I could say about it? Zach, the best I could say about it, Zach Efron does the best he can. Yeah. He's, you know, it's not for a lack of talent or even a lack of trying. It's, you know, he's not the problem with this movie, and I, I truly hope it doesn't negatively impact his career. Yeah. This one, this one's not on him. Yeah. It's really not. Oh boy, gee! I've just I've just read that in May of uh, this year, um, the director stated that there are ongoing discussions to expand this film into a franchise, <laughs> acknowledging that this may be in the form of a sequel, prequel, or spin-off media. I can tell you now that based on the performance of this film, that's not happening. <laughs> the, the, and that's the best that the best that I could say. Okay, what what is the ending of this mean? Is is it's a setup where this. Uh, First Nations person who's also a contract killer slash sociopath <laughs> yeah. slash psychic is going to train this girl to be a uh, psycho killer. Like, yeah. like how is this an ending of anything? And, and also, it's not a story anybody wants. No, no. That's, yeah, that's my biggest thing. Yeah. I just don't get it. <laughs> you know, here's, here's, okay, you want to go real cynical? Yeah. They could see this as NBC Universal could see what are the, what's the king properties we have? What are we contractually obligated to make before we lose the rights? And which of the characters could we turn into a quasi superhero? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, right? that's what's big at the moment. <laughs> because that's what's big at the moment. And we put Blumhouse on it, so we get the a horror superhero, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> and people will love it. Because we get the because we make these movies and it's a superhero movie on a horror movie budget, yeah. And the production is usually cheaper and the box office is bigger, so we don't we don't need to make, you know, a four hundred dollar superhero movie. Uh, we can just make one for whatever the hell this cost. And but that's not what Firestarter is. And again, if you wanted that to be what Firestarter is, I think a more faithful adaptation would get you a hell of a lot closer. Yeah, same. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, 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 I don't know what they did here. No. It's just the story. Like, what have you? The story is so weird. What have you done? This film and the pacing is <laughs> terrible. Like, like you said, you just kind of don't, you don't care. She's not a sympathetic character. So you don't really no. care about her. You, do, you just don't really care about anything in the film. <laughs> and, an, and, the, and another sympathetic character is supposed to be the, you know, the, the, the time at the farm and the yeah. farmer and his wife and all this sort of stuff. And, now they've chosen to make her bed bound yeah. and the farmer an alcoholic, mentally ill conspiracy theorist. Uh, it, and, you know, and then we, it, he gets shot and it's never revisited. Yeah. And when she like goes around the house and falls through the screen, all of a sudden falls in this room, it was laughable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every, like, this is, this is, there, there are laugh out loud moments in oh, this movie. 100%. And they're not supposed to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I like I said the cat. I, have- I could not stop laughing at the cat. It was just, <laughs> it was so funny to me because she sees this cat in the alley, and I say to my wife, "She's going to grill that cat," and then almost instantly, <laughs> cat scratches her up in flames. I'm like, "This is ridiculous." <laughs> and then he's just like, "Put it out of its mercy, honey," as this like puppet cat is smoldering. <laughs> well, I the, the one that laughed at me is when she's in the back of the car. And she's she burns the shop guy, and because she's like you, you say you're an agent, and he's like, yeah, but we're all agents. Doesn't mean I have a gun yeah. or whatever, right? And so somewhere along the line, she just like burns the shit out of him, but only half of it. Yeah, yeah. And he, you can hear him. He's groaning and moaning because half of his body is like tenth degree burns. He's like melted into the car seat, and then she goes, I don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> It's like this guy is literally half perfectly fine, oh. half melted into the car. Yeah. He's going, oh, oh, oh. And she's like, I don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, oh. you just this is this is this is absolute horseshit. I don't know. The screenplay is so bad. How big of a genius do you reckon whoever came up with the line liar liar pants on fire felt like when they wrote that down? Oh, <laughs> I didn't laugh. I groaned. Same. And it feels so out of place. That feels like something out of malignant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That feels like it's in a, in a self-aware movie. Yeah, it was so And also, bad. Billy, you know, we're old men, I, I guess. I'm a, I'll put you in the category of we're old timers. yeah. yeah. Do you have kids, though. Do kids say that anymore? Do kids say liar, liar, no, pants on fire? I've not heard that in <laughs> no. a very long time. <laughs> no. It's not even a common phrase anymore. Yeah. Oh, man. It was so bad. <laughs> so, and, I, and, the, and the thing is, you said liar, liar, pants on fire. And if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think the pants caught on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like the arms or something. I was like, well, at the very least, the ass has got to catch yeah. on fire. If you're going to do the line, the pants got to go up. Yeah. Right? Oh, man. Uh, there's one more positive thing I'll say about this. Yeah. Is Kurt Ward Smith, who's in all of two minutes of this movie. Yeah. 
Uh, and that the doctor obviously has a much bigger role in the book in the original movie. Mm-hmm. He all he did was do a complete emulation of the same guy, the character from the '84 film. Yeah. Down, he's doing an imitation of the, his cadence, of his voice, yeah. of the way he spoke, and his dialogue is verbatim from that film. Yeah, right. I just watched it, <laughs> and I was like, and it doesn't fit in this movie. Yeah, it doesn't fit in this movie. And it, it, the only downside is he's unfortunately acting against one of the worst actresses I've ever seen in film. Yeah, yeah, man, well, she's so bad, so bad. Yeah. She, I, I looked her up after to see if if I recognized her from anything, and I I don't. She, Same. She's just. I, uh, there's no words to describe how bad that performance is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, c- let me turn our tables on you and ask you a question as we wrap up here. Is this? I don't know if you do a worst of the year list or even just in your mind tallying up like yeah. Will this be on it? Yeah. So we we don't because my old co-host thought that was too mean, which is definitely strange because yeah. he's he's the meaner of the two of us. <laughs> and he's not, yeah, and he's not here anymore. So you know what? I might do a worst of the year <laughs> list this year, and yeah. I mean, at this stage, for sure, this is going to be on it. This is easily the worst thing I've watched this year. <laughs> <laughs> I I still think Moonfall might be worse. Oh, see, Moonfall, Moonfall is real bad because they put real, they put hundreds of millions of dollars in that movie, and it's more or less at this level. You yeah, know? Moonfall, but this it, this is gonna be on my list. Yeah, of worst of the year. you know what? Why don't Why don't you come on my show at the end of the year and we'll do a worst of list <laughs> together? <laughs> okay, I'm up for it because I don't do it on binge movies either because it just doesn't we're constantly talking about the full spectrum of film. So I don't really do like a year in review typically. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just, ke- I'm just keeping my own list because I don't normally do it. And if I do it then at the end of the year, I'm scrambling I'm like, wait, th- what did I see this year? What was this year? That So I'm in real time. I don't have them ranked or anything. I'm just sort of like, okay, if I think this is good, yeah. I put it on my good list, <laughs> yeah. bad list. This is a private thing for me, but I'd be more than happy to come back and talk about it. And I just have that sneaking suspicion that whether it be, the five worst or ten worst, this movie's going to make the list. Yeah. It's a, this is going to be in the top five worst movies I watch all year, especially of those that are, you know, I'm putting that in the category of theatrically released, which this yeah. one is by a narrow margin. Yeah, I'm, I tell you what, I'm, I was very glad that we didn't waste our time at the cinema for this because we very nearly did. And the only reason we didn't <laughs> is because the kids got sick. And so we had to, you know, just look after them. But we were, we were yeah. inches away from going to see this at the cinema. And geez, I'm what glad I didn't. What a date night that was. Oh, yeah. See, <laughs> 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 because my wife was really excited because she's a massive fan of the book. And so she was like, oh, yes, Firestarter. Like, and it was Friday the 13th. We were like, this is going to be awesome. And yeah, it was okay. not awesome. <laughs> what does she think? Was she in agreement with us? It's oh, the, yeah. she. Like, if anything, she dumb. hated it even more than I did because the book was much fresher in her mind. She's read it much more recently. So wow. she was very, very disappointed. <laughs> it's safe to say that they get nothing right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to say, okay, hey, look, we don't want to just make a – because the, the 80 fil- 84 film was – as reasonably faithful as you could be at that time. Yeah. The, the impulse to say, well, we don't want to just remake that movie. Yeah. That movie already exists. We want to do something different with it is an impulse that I can get behind. Yeah. Right. Just because we're making a remake doesn't mean it has to be a retread. I can get behind that. 
But if what you're going to churn out is something that is not applicable at all yeah. to what makes that franchise or IP or story interesting, like you, you've retained none of the best parts of it, and you've just filled filled in all of the gaps with garbage. Yeah, I th- why even do it? I think the other thing for me is like I get that idea of like why why we make it exactly, but that is now a nearly forty year old film. Like that's a thirty eight year old good point film. Completely it's not that popular. Com- exactly, it's not like it's a yeah. big. It's not like you're remaking The Godfather, which everybody's seen. Like right. to me, I'm right. like I don't know. I don't think it would have mattered if you almost remade it beat for beat because who's seen that movie that's going to be watching this today really i mean old guys like us but yeah you know yeah, yeah. I, I mean i don't know is zach efron still a heartthrob like it's so funny in my head when i saw him in the casting Strange. i was like are they trying to get the teen girl audience and then i did the math in my head and i'm like oh shit he's an old man too he he's he's yeah. my age <laughs> like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it seemed yeah. strange not, to yeah, me until i saw it and thought before. he was very good in it but my first thought yeah. was they were trying to capture like the teen market with this. <laughs> I don't. That, that's again to your point. Who is this for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you love Firestarter, you're not. You're gonna hate this because that it's called that, but it's not what it is. Yeah. If you thought the original was a misfire and you thought, hey, there's a better way to execute this. This this, this isn't, isn't it. for you because yeah. this isn't better. Yeah. If you're if you're just like Stephen King and you don't even know that the '80s movie exists, this isn't for you because it's 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 literally just it's the worst thing you could ever say about a movie is it's just content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just content. Yeah, it's just something for them to have on the streaming service. For the life of me, I have no idea why they decided to release it in the theaters, but that's all that this is. It's just yeah content. There's a couple people you know who are in it, and it's a name you you vaguely may have heard of. Yeah, that's it. So that's the review. So all in all, how are you scoring this then? Two point five or two and a half. Yep. Up, <laughs> two two and a half. Yeah. I know you don't normally do the the half, but yeah. Two three seems too generous. I know, yeah, I was you know? when I logged it on Letterboxd, I put it two. as a three, and now thinking about it, I'm like. Three seems very high for this. I, yeah. I think I'll settle on a two as well. I think there's so few yeah, we'll redeeming features to this yeah. film. Zac Efron is about it, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at a certain point, he's just out of the movie. Yeah. So yeah. you just took the your biggest strength and just sidelined him. It's like, okay, well, he's out of the movie. And then, yeah, it's just, it's it has laughably bad moments, but it's not consistently so bad it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it is not ever scary, even though it's kind oh, of trying to be a horror movie. Yeah. No, this it's I wouldn't ever, call this a horror just, at all. Yeah, no, no, yeah, it's just a complete and utter misfire of a film. And by the time this episode comes out, this will be the last anybody ever talks about it. Yeah, so you and I will be the last people who ever mention it until I come back at the end. Of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Can you tell everybody, they should already know, but tell everybody where they can find the wonderful Binge Movies and, and what you do on the show. Oh, buddy. Uh, so Binge Movies is available where you can find all your favorite podcasts, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, just literally everywhere. Um, we've been around for seven years uh, with a little bit of hiatus is in there. Uh, so we had a little time off, came back. 
and essentially, it is a movie podcast for movie people who love the full spectrum of film. Yeah. So you like good movies, you like bad movies, you like junky movies, you like new movies, you like old movies, you like old timey movies. It's the Movie Lovers Podcast, and I say that to say that it's also for casual moviegoers, hardcore yeah. moviegoers. It's kind of for everybody. What we typically do is we take we have episodes based on themes, as we like to call them, and we typically rank those episodes. We're trying to determine myself and a guest whether those movies are are worthy of your time and in particular, whether they're worthy of preservation for all time. And then we move through the season and then the best of um, the movies, I think were the best for each episode and the movies our guest thinks were the best of each episode eventually make up the short list and guest list. Those two face off those two lists face off at the end of the year. We have two guest film critics such as yourself who come on. They, we have a snake debate format and they go through and it comes down to two films and then we give it over to our listeners and to film Twitter. And we say of these two films based on the arguments provided by these film critics, which do you think is most worthy of preservation? And then we take that and we put it into whatever the winner is into the, what we like to call the vault or the people's canon. Yep. You know, we say, Hey, look, you know what AFI and all these other organizations have said that are the greatest films of all time. Uh, but this, we, we, we're trying to create, for you, the people, what do you say the greatest films of all time yeah. are that are worthy of preservation for all time, even beyond the end times? So if you like that, if you like that kind of, uh, if you like multifaceted shows, if you like shows that have covered diverse films in diverse ways, yeah. uh, and also if you like a little hint of uh, uh, absurdist humor <laughs> and uh, apocalyptic overtones <laughs> i think you'll like bench movies if you like uh if you like um absurdity hp lovecraft movies and uh uh uh, uh pro wrestling probably <laughs> like us no it is such a great show honestly if you're listening to we watch the thing and enjoy what i do i can guarantee that you will love binge movies because you know exactly like you said it's for everybody who just likes movies it's just so yeah. broad and Honestly, it's one of the the most fun I've had doing a guest spot. And I was so nervous. I'm like, oh, man, talking for like two, two and a half hours. I don't know how I'm, I'm used to like my 30 minutes. But it was yeah. it was it was really, really great. I'd highly recommend it to everybody. Well, you know, we've tried to pare that down again and again and again. But here's the thing. When you're talking about five films and the yeah. way that we do. And you're, all, you're talking with people who love films. And people who love films just want to talk about films. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And you're, you're comparing them against each other. And we're also trying to provide cultural context to the moment those films were created. Yeah. And so, like, I, I would just say we're a maximalist podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's called Binge Movies for a reason. We watch a bunch of movies. We talk for a while about those movies. And we talk in detail and also in the macro, yeah. micro and macro about those yeah. movies at the same time. And if you like that kind of a thing... Uh, People it's for, it's really for the people it's not for. Yeah. That's okay. There's other podcasts out there for it's, it. It's, give us a try. It's the, it's the everything, everywhere, all at once of podcasting. It's just maximalism it, it at its best. It kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there is a, uh, and this is longstanding before the recent uh, uh, glut of multiverses. There is a, 
Uh, I don't want to tip my hand too much, but there is a little multiverse sci-fi element yeah. to the show as well. So it's a, a little bit of a radio play. Yeah. As well, so. All right. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchthething.com or wewatchthething at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchthething. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchthething, and I'll catch you next week. You're still here? The the show's over. Go home. Go. But if you can't get enough of We Watched a Thing, why don't you check out our Patreon page? There's tons of behind-the-scenes content, heaps of bonus episodes. You can get full, unedited videos of each episode recording. You can pick a movie for me to do on the show, or even come and join me while I talk about it. So why don't you head over to patreon.com forward slash we watched a thing. Go watch a movie.